This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Mom! Look, Mom, no hands. Get the fan on your smart speaker. We want it now! Just say, play WFAN. Good morning, campers. Alan Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck. All right, here we go. It's 5.02. He is the Superman himself. It's the Eddie Schizari. Nice to see you. Usually, I look across and I see someone with a pencil neck. He weighs about 140 pounds soaking wet. He's got glasses. He hates sports, but he continues to show up at work every day. Not today. The dude actually took my advice, and he is homesick. Al Dukes, enjoy your time off. Boomer is out today as well. But in for himself is Christopher Jacob Lepresti. What's up? Maybe I can lend Al some of my weight because I don't have a pencil neck. And Wouldn't I don't that be weigh awesome if we could suck right the fat out? Dude, and then inject it into other people. It's getting that need bad. It. I really, I really need to do something about it. Please. Exercise helps. Yes, that would be good. And but you know, with young kids, it's difficult sometimes. Yeah, the know? pizza's a problem. Pizza yeah, and I bagels. Like, I like pizza. I pasta, do. pasta guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah carbs. Yeah. You know, it doesn't help either. He's got his Ranger hat on today. What also doesn't help is staying up till ten fifteen on a yeah, night you've got to get up at two fifth whatever. You got to get what time you get up? Two thirty. I got up at two this morning. Right. What time did you go oh. to bed? Eleven. Jeez, I just jacked my uh, headphone. Hello. Um, I think I fell asleep at about 11.30. Okay, 11 days. You slept two and a half hours, yeah. about, a, mm, I would say, an hour less than I slept, which is not a, not good either. Cortisol, not good. That, I don't even know what that is. I believe cortisol levels are what gets all screwed up when you don't sleep. Oh, okay. I Great. think. I'm sure someone on Twitter is yelling at me. It's probably not right, but you get the point. That having been said, he's got his Ranger hat on. Now, we sat here yesterday for four, well, five hours, actually. <laughs> And talked a lot about the Rangers and what kind of heart they would show and what kind of effort they would give. And I'll tell you this, and I did not see the first period I was out. My son had a baseball game, and I look at my phone, I get in the car, and it's 2 nothing Pittsburgh. In the second, yes. I'm like, oh, boy. I felt the same way. Like, you got to be kidding. And lo and behold, here come the – and I'll say this. Before I let Chris basically just rant about the Rangers <laughs> in a good way, if I go back to, I want to say it was, I, I should have checked, but 1985 or 1986. Oh, wow. And I'm not going to Sal Licata here on you. I'm not going to get all depressed about how old we are and that <laughs> 1985 how was 37. How long ago yeah. things were? Oh my God, 37 years ago. I think it was 85 or 86. I forget. One of my first hockey experiences was my dad taking me and my brother and my mom to see the Rangers and Capitals in the Patrick Division playoffs or whatever the hell it sure. was. And I remember Madison Square Garden 
being now I had been to the Meadowlands for net games. I had been to baseball games, Mets and Yankees. I had been to even a, a Nick game or two at that point and plenty of devil games. The noise and the energy, and I, I've never forgotten it now, 30-something years later, the noise and the energy that I felt at Madison Square Garden that night is something I think I will take to my grave. I've never forgotten it. And last night, when you get that three-goal barrage, it was awesome. Yes. And it came through the TV. It, so uh, it let me always applaud does. the Ranger fan. It always does. Because that in was the tremendous last night. And there have been some of those in various playoff series along the way. I mean, heck, they showed some of the highlights, I think, on MSG last night before the game. You know, the fact that they've come back in not too recent hit or not too, is that the right not too recent history not too distant history twice they were three one down against the Penguins once three one down against the Capitals once and you know a couple overtime wins so yeah I've I have said many times now and this this might sound like uh, over exaggeration but I really don't think it is Madison Square Garden specifically for a Rangers playoff game is my favorite place on the earth on the planet and that's. For me, yeah, being no, I a big get Ranger fan, yeah. I can take it to that level. But it's always that way, whether you're watching on TV, and you're right, it does come through, or it whether does. you actually have the privilege of being in the building like Sal did last night and for all the home games so far in this series. It is it is awesome. It is electric. And I'm sure there'll be fans of other teams that say it's just as loud in other buildings. That's fine. I won't, I won't argue that. But there's something about the building, the history, New York, and the fact that the Rangers – haven't had a lot of playoff success over the years. Yes, in the last 10 or 15 years, they've won a bunch of series, but obviously won Stanley Cup since 1940. You have a starved, hungry, passionate fan base. Whereas for me, who grew up a Yankee and a Giant fan, it's easy to be more passionate about the Rangers because I've seen so much success for the Yankees. I've seen a couple of Super Bowls for the Giants. For the Rangers, I was eight when they won the Cup. I was into it. I remember a lot of it, and I've watched... The highlights over and over and over again. I've committed them to memory. Yeah. I could basically rattle them off in my sleep. Uh, but there there hasn't been a lot. So every time this opportunity comes, I don't take it for granted. Now, we have been to many stadiums, many arenas. And this is, I guess, my point. The closest thing, I think, that I have ever felt to a Ranger playoff game at Madison Square Garden. I've been to a lot of them. I've been to maybe three or four playoff games at the Garden when for the Rangers. When was the last one? Oh if man! You had to get, is, it, is it is it going? Is it um, is it pre Henrik Lundqvist? Oh yeah. Okay, so we're going back a ways. Then it was it was in the Beningo years. All right. So Which probably in the was? probably in the late nineties then. Yes. Yeah, I would say that was because if in the when I worked with Joe overnight every uh, as a producer and then as an anchor, mm -hmm. we used to no joke, and this is not an exaggeration. Sunday nights was nothing. We would always just come in and do the show, and Thursday nights usually we just did the show. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of every week, we split time at the Garden for the Knicks, the Rangers, and we went to a Joe and I went to a lot of net games in the Meadowlands. And I would say, out of uh, you know however many weeks you work, let's say we were there together forty-seven weeks out of the year, I would say thirty of them, all three nights we were somewhere. That's very cool. And when the playoffs came, I mean, not for nothing, but the ninety-nine Nick playoff run, we were at until I got married, we were at almost. <laughs> Every Nick yeah. home playoff game, yeah. almost every one. And let me not. So yeah, it's, it's probably a 
about that time. When we talk about the Garden, I don't want to discount or discredit the Knicks fans even more. So then the Rangers, like, they are so starved and yes, hungry. Yes, but the Ranger crowd, it's just different to me. And that building is loud. The game's as it, different, too. It is different. Yeah. The crowd's different. And the Knicks, listen, the Knicks fan and the, that building is loud for the Knicks, too. I, I am not disputing that. There's nothing like a Ranger crowd. Now, the closest I ever got to it, when I think all the places I've been, I've been to a lot of arenas, a lot of stadiums, is if I go back and I was there covering the Nets in 2001 or two, whatever it was, Boston Garden, TD Bank Garden, whatever yeah, it yeah. was, the Jason Kidd days when the Nets blew that 25-point lead, <laughs> that fourth quarter, you thought the roof was going to blow off the place. Yeah, That's the closest thing I've ever experienced to a Ranger, that is specifically the one I'm talking about in the mid-'80s, Rangers, Capitals, it's like nothing I've ever experienced. And I get the sense last night was something like that, especially as they come back. You know, they get that third goal. Like, just yeah. wow. And now, and this is this is the credit to the Rangers, too, because you get the third goal, and 13 seconds later, you give get it right, right back, back. Yeah. But you come out and you win the damn game. Yes. So. And, and honestly, sometimes you mentioned the crowd and the anticipation builds because for the first almost – two periods because it was late in the second period yes, when they got absolutely. the first. There was nothing. Right. And I'm watching and they go down two nothing and I'm just there was no surge. You know, you see it in NBA, it's runs. In the NHL, it's surges and you see it. You saw it from the Rangers on the road in Pittsburgh yep. in game three where they're down 4-1 and then all of a sudden something clicks and they tie the game up. Obviously, they lost and you were waiting for that last night and it, ne- it seemed like it wasn't coming and all of a sudden, Adam Fox makes a play just inside the blue line, little stick maneuver, yeah. a goal through traffic and then that's it. Shot could, the puck. You could see right then immediately after that, the momentum change. Obviously, Crosby going out of the game was a huge deal. But, Which we'll get to in the next yes, segment. But really, I mean... I thought Kako's pass. Yes. The kid line was the only good line in game four the other night. And they were excellent again last night. And I think the reason why, and, you know, I've had people ask me, hey, Kako and Lafreniere, you know, number one, number two. And I'm like, yeah, they're solid players, but they haven't really taken off. They're not like a superstar the way Crosby is, but they're really good hockey players. And they play more of that straight ahead, four check, below the hashes game, which is what you need in the playoffs and what their top skill guys are aren't comfortable doing, and all of a sudden, the last couple of games, I think Gerard Gallant is seeing that he's got something with that group, Filipito included, who ends up scoring the the game winner, yeah. and they have they have taken it to Pittsburgh, and they have actually controlled the puck in the offensive zone. They've played down low. You mentioned Kako's pass, and Jacob Truba pinching in, and all of a sudden, Kako's got the puck behind the net, a little bit of a defensive collapse. Lafreniere is left alone in front, tic-tac-toe, bang, it's in the net, tie game, and the place is going berserk. You also had on the Heedle goal, which was reminiscent to me of the last game where the Rangers looked like they didn't know what the hell they were doing defensively. Yeah. You had three Penguins all within five feet of one another. Clearly someone wasn't supposed to be in that spot, and, and I, that freed him up. Yes, and I think for, I think it was Vitrano that made a play there. And It was a, tremendous, by the way. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, the moves that they made, the guys that they picked up, I mean, it's hard to argue with. Um, you know, Andrew Copps had an impact on this series. Uh, they're missing uh, Tyler Mott, who got hurt, but certainly Vitrano. I mean, I, I like the, I, I like the mix of players. It's just that Mika Zibanejad has been a complete no show in this series. Panarin's had some production, but when you watch him play, you can tell he's not really comfortable going to those greasy. Gr- it's not his game, and I understand that. 
So they needed some guys to step up. And it's it's funny that it, you talk about experience and the Penguins are so ah, experienced. And it's the young guys that have really given them a bit of a jolt here. Now, what does it mean going into game six? Nothing. People talk about momentum carrying over from game to game. It doesn't happen as much in the Stanley well, Cup think, playoffs but, for whatever reason. But I think the momentum for the goalie can carry over. To me, and we sure talked about so. this. I mean, it's like the, through, the pitching. Through two periods, again, and I, I said it after the second period, after Shesterkin gives up, as you said, right after they go ahead, they give up a goal right away where he misplays a puck. His puck handling is a big part of this game. Zone, right. and, he, and he gave it away and didn't really get back in a position and bang it in the back of the net. And I said, he just looks like he's in an extended fog is the way it looked to me. And a lot of people have made the point, oh, he took that hit late at the end of game two. I didn't make much of that. It looked to me like he sold it a little bit. You think? I did. And then, oh, the crowd in Pittsburgh. I don't buy that either. I honestly think he is exhausted. He's made the point before the series, this is the most he's played in a single season in his life. And he makes 79 saves in a triple overtime game in game one that they lose I don't, I don't think he's quite recovered from that, but what he was able to do was come out in the third period and look more like himself, and he did make some key saves in the third period. Obviously, Pittsburgh didn't score, and yeah, you hope he can carry that over, but it's not just him. You know, It's the defensive effort, which I thought was better last night, and I think that's part of the reason why it took them a while to get going offensively. They were focused on trying to be more responsible in their own end. They still end up behind, so fortunately, you know, Fox is able to get one in, and it kind of kick-started everything after that. But what does it mean going in the game? I have no idea. You don't know. Because no look idea. at last night. You know, you think they're going to come out strong. And, and on what the they opening do in game sh- four? They took the lead early. Right. And you thought, all right, here you go. And they got run over. And last night you'd figure they're going to come out. You know, Pittsburgh's got to withstand the early. Yeah. The Rangers are going to come out flying. And what do they do? They get, they get called for two penalties on the openings in the opening half minute. Yeah. They're down five on three. Now they killed it off. And you would have thought maybe they'd built some momentum from that. But it's sort of like they're on their heels right away. And all it's like you want to come out emotional, aggressive, physical, you get called for a couple penalties and you think, wait a minute, I better slow it down a little bit. I thought one was legit. Truba definitely got an elbow up and then he ends up being the one that lays out Crosby. We'll get to that. The other one on Kreider I thought was a little a little weak considering they'd already called a penalty on that sequence. So they were able to kill it off, but it's sort of like all that, Takes not, a lot. not momentum, but just the, the emotion and the anticipation. Yeah. It kind of sucked it right out of the building, at least to start. Real quick, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back and talk about Crosby and Truba and all that. The one thing I would say about Shashirkin last night, and I, I know what you're saying in terms of, you know, not great through the first two, yeah. but solid. Two of those goals, one, his stick handling. Okay, fine. And you see that all the time. When a goalie mishandles the puck, a lot of times by giving that extra possession. Yeah, it leads to trouble. A hundred percent. The other was the other goal he lets in, one of the other two, and I forget it's the first or second. He makes the initial save, and you throw the puck off his skate. Yes. The only thing I'd say about that, <sighs> and this is what I meant by saying he looks like he's in a bit of a fog, he makes this – usually his his reaction time is sensational. He's very acrobatic. He's very flexible. He's very athletic. And he makes the save, and he was kind of like slow. Look, at, He was slow to find the rebound and then slow to get back into position, and that's why Fair. they were able to bank it Still in. Still fluky, now, though. You could, yes, and you can make the point, hey, where's the defense to tie up a stick? I'm, I'm with you on all that. So I'm not laying it all at his feet. He needs help around him. But having watched and knowing what he's capable of when he's at the height of his game, he just looks a tick slow to me. Now, the second goal, listen, they give up a two-on-one. Malkin makes a great pass. Letang one time. He no actually chance. got a piece of it. Right. He actually got a piece of it. I was just more so watching his his movements and his reaction time just seemed to be dulled a little bit, almost like a guy with a bit of a hangover, you know? And it's that's possible. why I go back to game, you know, it's, yeah. 
for a guy that hasn't played a lot of hockey and to carry them the way he did in game one and then to lose and just the deflation of that. Now we're, what, a week, week and change removed from that? You'd think it's time to move on. But I think the combination of playing a lot during the season, playing at the the level and the height that he did, and then having game one go the way it did, it's a little bit of a delayed reaction coming out of that. Hopefully he can kick it in gear and, and find that next level because they're certainly going to need it game six on Friday night. All right, when we come back, we will get to Truba and Crosby. We'll also get to the Yankees who just keep humming along. Yeah. Uh, and at some point, the Mets, too. And who knows? Maybe a call or two. You never know. Warm-up show till 6. G joins us then on The Fan. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. You know, it's funny you play the uh, taco thing because we were supposed to do Zuckers this week, thinking of food, but no Boomer, no Al, right? Probably next week? Yeah. Right. Guys are out sick, not feeling well. I know. And God knows if this is going to trickle down to us now. <laughs> I so you, far, so good. Dude, I feel like I'm surrounded by it. My oldest left school yesterday, stomach bug, throwing up all, yeah. over, all over the place. That's Probably one terrible. of those 24-hour deals. I was actually on my hands and knees uh, cleaning up his puke in the bathroom, watching the Rangers on the phone as Filipino scored to put them up four three. Oh, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> I felt bad for him. He didn't quite make it to the bowl. Yeah, no, I've been there. And he found every crevice, not on purpose, but every nook and cranny in the bathroom you could imagine. So I, I the yeah. Clorox wipes out. It's good times. Yeah, being a parent. not to get too graphic. Um, so we spent the first 15 minutes lauding the Rangers' effort last night, the crowd, all of that stuff. So a couple minutes here on this Jacob Truba hit on Sidney Crosby. Now, I you know, G came in, and you understand people in Pittsburgh are going to be angry with sure. it. The Ranger fans, I heard Sal basically saying, suck it up, it's hockey. Well, Sal's, he, yeah. Nuts the other way. Oh, totally understood. killing the officials. Oh, oh, again, how could you start with a five on three? I mean, one of them was a legit penalty. Understood. Sorry, Truba threw an elbow on the first shift. It's a so penalty. here's my take on it. I get the whole elbow part. Fair, got it. Okay, great. If you watch that replay, Truba's stick, as he's approaching Crosby, goes under the skate of Crosby and lowers his level. It just does. To where when he throws the elbow and hits him, that to me is a shoulder hit, not where it ended up. All because of where the stick ended up and because of where Crosby kind of fell a few inches below where he was. Yes. I don't think it's a big – it looks bad. But it's funny too. In real time, it looked like nothing. Well, that's that's the key. We but, watch these, slow... but the replay is also where I see the the stick hit the skin. We watch the super slow mos, and we forget right. the fact that this is happening in real time at a high speed. Now, what I'd say is, I think the end result looks bad because as he finishes the check, 
there's a there's an elevation, not just of his body, but the elbow as the old well. Chicken wing, right? So I'm not knocking him. I mean, again, it's it's all happening at at lightning fast speed. It's not away from the play. Crosby's got the puck. He had his head yeah. down for a second. You know, Crosby had laid out Adam Fox earlier in the game when he had his head down. It was crushed a, him. It was a physical game. There were a bunch of collisions actually just inside the blue line. Even Evgeny Malkin and a teammate had a collision where they were down for a little bit. Andrew Kopp and Jake Gensel had a big collision. It was a it was more of a physical hockey game. But I'm not gonna I don't think it was predatory. I don't think he was trying to line him up. I don't think he was headhunting or anything like that. My take on it is this. If Crosby's going to miss game six, which right now they want you to believe it's possible. Who the yeah, heck knows? Sure. If he's going to miss game six. And he tried to come back in last night. And he, if I'm not mistaken, in the past had issues with concussions. Yes. I'd have to check I on that. I believe that, that is I think. true. So, I mean, who knows? But where they're at in the series, home game for Pittsburgh, game six, Rangers back in the series, it would not be unlike the NHL to go eye for an eye and say, all right, if Crosby's going to miss the game, Troop is going to get a one-game suspension. I would not be shocked. It's not to say I believe it was intentional mm. or that it's a dirty hit. Obviously, they didn't call a penalty on the play. If it's not Sidney Crosby, is there a one-game suspension? Probably not. If that happens. And I'm and you yeah, can say so that's either. ridiculous and it shouldn't be done that no, way. No, they want their stars but, out but there, this though. But is, this is what happens. Yeah. And if the rain, and if you know, if it happened to, let's say, Artemi Panarin for the Rangers or Zibanejad, even though he hasn't had a great series, People would be upset. I just think this is one of those plays, much like in the NFL when you lower your head. Yeah. I mean, in what a can you fraction do? of a second. Right. It's like we you know, we sit here and we rewind, play, rewind, play, stop, slow it down, pause it. The game's not played that way, and it's so fast and so violent. I agree. And to me, again, I, I don't think the suspension would be to, you know, paint Jacob Truba with a scarlet letter and say, hey, he's a dirty player and you're building a reputation what I will say is he's a physical player who does look to line guys up who have their head down. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I've seen him catch some guys clean and cold throughout the course of the season where they were totally unexpecting, you know, not expecting a hit, and he popped him good. I just and think- he's knocked some guys out of the game. So it's not to say that there's a reputation or that it's on purpose. Unfortunately, when you play that way, and I'm I, I have no I, I wanted the Rangers to be more physical. And they were again last night. They've been more physical at home than they have been on the road. And need to be. But the more instances where you're having these collisions, the more chance there is for the opponent to get hurt. Or like you said, for there to be a fraction of a second yeah. move or shift or hey, I didn't mean to get the guy's head, but I did. Stuff happens. And when it's Sidney Crosby, the league's gonna you're pay right. attention. I just think I think intent is everything. And when something happens like last night, like if you tell me his level doesn't shift at all yeah. and he goes headhunting, sure. I'm with you. And that's what you saw I from him on the first shift. Night. I forget which guy it was, but he went after a guy on the boards and clearly got the elbow up to the head. It was an obvious penalty. Again, they ended up five on three. Kreider got called for a slash, which I didn't really see much of. But, you know, Truba right out of the gate last night was trying to be physical and establish the tone, and he got himself in the penalty box. They were able to kill it off. Um, that's just the way when he's going right, it's the way he plays. He kind of plays on that edge a little bit, which is great. It's just sometimes it might backfire a little bit. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe Crosby will play. Um, but I'm not I'm not surprised it's going to turn into a talking point between now and when they drop no, the puck on Friday night. No, it kind of has to. Yeah, of course. Because of who it is. Yes. And I, and I understand that. And it makes sense. But I, I don't. If a suspension comes, I don't care for that. I, I And I, I understand it's not so much that I'm saying I think it would be the right thing. It's just looking at the way these things have gone in the past. You're looking at the track record of the league. I, I've seen it happen. It's Crosby. It's high profile. You know, it, it just it wouldn't surprise me. That's what I'd say. Before we turn to the Yankees, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. 
877-337-6666. Two calls for the two wins the Rangers have. Two calls if no one calls. And the two wins they need. And we get crickets. So (laughs) while hopefully two people call, and if not, so be it, you tell me, and then we're going to take a break and we do the Yankees. You tell me what you expect. Let's Now let's do it on this. Let's do it on the assumption that Crosby play. Give me two scenarios. Okay. Crosby plays one, two, he doesn't play. And I'm not asking you for a result. Yeah. What do How the do Rangers we... need to do? Yes. Yes. Correct. If he plays, and again, even when he goes out last night, Jake Gensel is a major problem. He's got seven goals in five games. Some of them have been out of the fluky variety, but the puck's finding him. And my biggest knock on the Rangers, not as much last night as in the earlier games, there's just been too much open ice for the skill players for the Penguins. And that line with Crosby or without Crosby has been incredible. Uh, and they have to find a way to slow that down. And obviously when Pittsburgh's playing at home, they're going to have the the emotion working in their favor. You know, the juice you see, see with the Rangers when they play at home. So you have to expect that and be ready for that out of the gate on Friday night. Now, if Crosby doesn't play and Evgeny Malkin elevates and centers that line, and he played an excellent game last night. Malkin was a couple of beautiful setups, two assists that led to goals. The one thing with Malkin, and this has been noted on the national broadcast, on MSG, anyone who's watched the Penguins over the years, you can get under his skin. Now, do the Rangers have an agitator that can really do that? Maybe a guy like Ryan Reeves, who doesn't see a lot of ice time because of the nature of the player he is and doesn't have a lot of speed and can't keep up with some of these guys. But if Malkin steps in for Crosby as the first-line center, my goal would be to try and get under his skin because he will take penalties. You saw it last night. Late in the things got nasty in the third period. Gensel took a bad penalty too. Punched punched somebody's head behind the play, and the ref saw it. So I've seen this happen before in the Rangers. I think back to when they played the Thrashers in like 2007, and Ilya Kovalchuk, who you might remember from his Devils years, was the best player on the one of the best players in the league. And Sean Avery completely took him out of that series. So the Rangers need to do everything possible, obviously facing elimination, to find a way. So if Crosby's out, and that would be a huge loss, the next assignment, the next goal needs to be in try and take Evgeny Malkin out of the game mentally. All right, Mike and Ron Konkoma, you're first up. Go. Mike. Oh, boy. Huh. Oh, All for right. one. All right. <laughs> no, Mike. Leo and Manahawkin, you're up. Go. All right, we're going to take a break. When oh, we come I back on the other there. side, we're going to talk about the Yankees because they just keep rolling. You guys screwed that up. Jeez. Uh, Yankee baseball next as they keep rolling right along. Yay. Rangers now down three games to two with their win last night over the Penguins and the Mets with a complete dud in Washington. All of that. Oh, and by the way, the NFL schedule gets released tonight. All of that and more coming up on The Fan. Coming up, top of the hour to join us. Boomer's out today. Al is out today. But uh, myself, CeeLo, and Eddie, and Flegelman, we're all here. So we will take you through the morning. Um, we spent the first 35 minutes on the Rangers, and to me, rightly so. Let's go. Uh, the next part is going to be uh, baseball. And if we have some time, some hoops as well. Not only just the net stuff, but the Celtic game last night was crazy. And the, these Grizzlies without John Morant is fascinating to me. It was so. like 103.56 at one point. It was embarrassing. Oh best, the best tweet I saw was Mike Brown is coaching like he's already running the Kings. 
<laughs> which is kind of funny. Well, Steph said that thing the other night. Um, what did he say? When they had a poor shooting night, and he said, oh, it was like we became the Kings overnight or something like well, that. Well, slowly they yeah, morphed into yeah. that because that's what they looked like last yep. night. So if you're just waking up, the uh, the Warriors did lose to the Grizzlies big last yes. night. Um, these Yankees, I'll tell you, for a team that looked mm, very average early on, they look like the best team in baseball right now. And doesn't mean they're going to be there at the end of the season. But through 30 games, if I would have told you before the season started, 22-8 and eight, and a four- or five-game lead atop the division, yeah. handling the Blue Jays, I'll be careful what I say, but to be to be fair, with ease. Six and three so I mean, far? They're really taking care of business. Yep. Their bullpen's been terrific. The Their starting the pitching's yeah. been great. Aaron Judge has been Aaron Judge. I mean, they look great. I mean, there's nothing to complain about with the Yankees. You can't argue, listen. You can't argue with the results and the record. I mean, they're on pace to win like 120 games, something ridiculous. Which obviously we know they're not going to do. Uh, to me, it's been the pitching staff, top yeah. to bottom. I, what is it? The Orioles, are the only team that scored six runs against them. I think in one Think game. Think about that. So I mean, like yesterday is a perfect example. Labor Torres has earned himself back a starting job. Would yeah, we agree for sure. Right now, yep, yep. he's had some huge hits, some big games. Yeah, you know, spotty defensive. It was the offense yesterday, right? So you think he? You looked if you looked at his numbers, you would think like you know, oh, he's killing it. He's, he's batting two twenty two. No, but <laughs> the, he's been good. No, I know he's listened. It's been timely hitting in, yes. in key spots, and you saw it again yesterday. But it's see, just, that's the eye test more than just looking yeah, at the numbers, right? And, it, and I and I have to and I have to. Remind myself because I am a little old school and still look at batting average. I know it's not what it once was. No, I do All too. those numbers are down yeah. across the league. There are a few guys who have those prototypical, you know, slash lines that you're used to seeing. You know, even a guy like Judge went or Rizzo. Rizzo got off to a great start and then he's hitting like what two thirty right now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's come back down. So and yet still had some big hits this week. Right. So that's what I mean. Like, and that's where it's it's you have to sort of retrain your eyes when you're watching these games now because you're going to see guys kind of just glide through the games and have awful at bats and go, you know, 0 for 5 or 1 for 5 and then but that one hit could be the difference in the game, especially right now for the Yankees because they don't need to score a lot of runs to win, they just need to score them at the right time, which is what they're doing. Well, and that's it. And that's why and I heard Sal coming in talking about this is great, but it's about October for them and there's yes. 100% I he's right. I totally agree with him on that. But to your point, what's different for me watching them right now is exactly what you just said. You don't go into most games thinking they got to win 7-4, 7-5. Like, yeah. you get the sense that the pitching is going to hold the opponent to three runs or less. I mean, that's how I feel watching them. I feel like every game is three runs or less, and the Yankees should be okay to score more. It's just pretty simple My to me. only concern with the pitching would be as we go along, if some of these guys will sort of regress to the mean a little bit, whether it be Tyone, Maybe. whether it be Cortez, and then the other factor, which we see happen time and time again, the bullpen's great, but are they going to be taxed over the long run because they don't really have any starters that are working deep into games? I know really there are a few teams that have that, but my concern is when they get to the postseason, are their relievers still going to be in good shape to be effective and be dominant, right. or are they going to be burnt Which out? Which are questions that will be answered as we go through the summer. But when you look at special teams through the years that put together special seasons, they're the ones that do that. Yeah. And I, we won't know if the Yankees are that until we get to August and September and then ultimately in October. But right now, I mean, I turn them on. I expect them to win every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that should be the case because they're the Yankees and because they have talent on the roster. I get it's maybe – 
You broke the screen what over there. Doing? Oh, boy. Anyway, um, did we think there was more they could have done in the offseason and that man, penny pinching isn't the right word, but that maybe they're tightening the belt a little bit and they could have done more? Sure. But, and I, without even looking at the numbers, because I haven't, I can't tell you the answer to this. <clears throat> of the big ticket free agents that signed for a lot of money, specifically at shortstop, are any of those guys having monster starts to the year? Am I um, missing one? I know Correa is on the IL right now. I feel like I haven't heard a ton about Seager. Marcus Simeon, I think his not, he's off to a dreadful start in Texas. Trevor Story is not hitting for Boston. Is no, there a guy I'm missing? I might no, be. No, but I, I do. Th- I agree with you. The numbers are pretty much down across the league. But My point I is, don't think anybody has exploded out the right, game. Right, Yankee fans, they got to go get one of these guys. You know who's this IKF guy? And he hasn't been great. No, I mean, he had but, a rough game defensively yesterday. But he as had well. a two-week stretch where he was the he best did. offensive guy in terms but, of getting on base. Well, we and, heard, hey, he's going to be a great defender, and we haven't really seen that yet. He hasn't quite settled in defensively. Well, you know I I mean? th- but I think we're spoiled too in that we and for years and years and years we've expected the Yankees to go out and get the best players available. Right. You don't need a star at every position. They got plenty of stars. Exactly. They that, need to pitch. Sometimes you go out and you pay for the best, but then they're, they don't play as the best, and that's kind of what I'm but saying. But they've had timely hitting, they've had great pitching, and that's what wins your games. I don't care who's on your roster. If you do those two things, you're going to win a lot. When we talk about, hey, let's see it in October, I think it's because you're talking about the the quality of team they're going to be playing at that point, and more specifically, the quality of pitcher they're going right. to be facing. Because the Yankees in... You know, throughout as they go through these series in the regular season, you know, more often than not, you're seeing a starting pitcher who's not a dominant guy. You know, like, I want to see them against the Astros and see what they can do with Verlander. Well, and that's why they have not won since 2009. So that's always my concern with them. Like, I'm almost, I I admit that I'm spoiled. Yeah, they're going to win, you know, 88 to 95 games and get into the playoffs. But let's, then when they get there, can this talented lineup do what they need to do and hit in those timely situations that we're talking about right now because it's going to be a different animal when you get to October. At some point, they've got to run into another World Series. They're just they're too good. You would think, but you would think we, we, as Sal was talking, we were talking about years the, now. right. Think about that. We talk. Oh, yeah. I can't. But it feels like a lot a long time. more recent than it was. It's the years have gone by. It's a long 2009 is a little bit away now, and it's one since 2000. Mets had uh, one of those throw up games last night. They score. It's funny because. I said I was at my son's game for the first period of the Ranger game, so I'm trying to follow along with what's going on. And I see, I think it was a Met tweet. I think it was the Mets that tweeted, you know, like the bombs are flying or, yeah, you know, Alonzo, we're, yep. we're erupting early. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, look at the Mets, 3 nothing. Next time I go check, I see 5-3. Five, five, three. Three, I'm like, right. whoa, like what the hell? So they have, Tyler McGill was terrible. I he mean, was he was due for one. Outs. It was his first bad start of the right. season. It is what it is. Go win today, win the series. I want yeah. to read you something, though. This is funny. Now, I am telling you right now, that this is phony. Almost oh, got me. I know. I me too. I know this exactly where you're going. I wish this was real. <laughs> I, I wish this was real. Yeah. So yesterday morning, Giannotti tweeted out the Instagram post from Noah Syndergaard about, you know, this is what a real no hitter looks like. From and his he's being story, a normal yeah, tool bag yeah. that he's been. Again, his mouth has been better than his arm for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he showed it again. Now, this is not again, not real, but damn it, it would be great if it was. I see someone send me a picture of Max Scherzer and a quote that says, <laughs> in response to Cindergard, yeah. quote, if he wants, I can show him what a real ring looks like. Closest he'll get is the halo over his head. <laughs> and knowing that's Scherzer's tremendous. mentality, for a second you thought, maybe that's possible. That got like 3,000 well, likes. That's how it ended up on my timeline. And then Brickley. what? there was like the fine print down at the bottom, blurry. Oh, I, I don't know. Is that true? Can, can you pull it up? And if you zoom yeah. in. I yeah, think yeah. you can see it says something like, uh, "Where am I looking?" 
Well, maybe the maybe where you saw it was a little a little different. Ha! Yeah, I you see, see it okay. now. What Max it Scherzer did not say this about Noah Syndergaard, as far as we know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I wish he did, though. I wish someone would say something like and that. And then, of course, you had Syndergaard. You know, after the fact, when SNY posted about it, saying like, "Oh, I wasn't well, that's where he's a phony." Ma- right. Exactly. He's a complete he exactly phony he because doing. he sat here like he was Mister Met for years and Thor and all that crap. Yeah. And he couldn't wait to get out of here. Yeah. And he opens his mouth with this nonsense and then doesn't even want to stand behind it. Yeah. It's tough to take. I agree. Well, he has been tough to take. So well, anyway, he's on so, the other coast now. So that well, yeah, and they're playing. And yeah. that's the funny thing about that comment is the Angels are really good. Right. So it's not like they won't have a chance when you look at Otani and Trout and Syndergaard, just to mention a couple of these guys. Plus, what's the kid's name? Ward? Is that the kid's name out there, too, who's had a good start to the season? So, like, they've sure. been – you know, I, I know, I got you. <laughs> they've been um, very good, like the Dodgers have been, and we were talking about the two coasts, perhaps. That's where the World Series comes from in L.A., New York, World Series, and maybe we can not get terrible ratings. For the World Series years. Taylor anyway. Ward, 367, Taylor Ward, yeah. seven homers, 17. Now, there's a stat line that looks pretty good from the old days. What I don't get, and I'm sure enough people will tell me on Twitter why it's so uh, wrong these days to look at batting average. And I still believe that there's value in a batting average. There's tremendous value in runs scored in RBIs. Of like, course. All this other stuff, I don't know. I, that That, to me, tells me what a player is. Yeah, I mean, I understand people talk about OPS and on-base percentage because it's like if if the on-base percentage is in a, is in good shape and the batting average isn't necessarily there, like I'm okay with that because you're still creating offensive situations, sure. right? You're on base and that leads maybe to the run score that you mentioned, but it also depends where you're hitting in the lineup and what the team's relying on you for. Because if you're you got a great on base percentage, but your batting average stinks and you're not driving in runs, and you're a guy that hits in the middle of the order or gets paid to drive in runs, well then it's kind of irrelevant. I agree. So you got to I think take it on a case to case basis. And sometimes I'm guilty of it. You just kind of put everybody in the same bucket and analyze them the same way based on one or two criteria, and it's that can be misleading. It's just it's gotten too much. I love the numbers. I do. I think the stats are great. Yeah. I mean, I hell I do it for my little league team. I'm a I've always been team. a stat guy. I think it it shows you a lot. I think we've gotten to the point, though, of complete over-analysis. Yeah, there's though. too much. It's it's way too much. And there's got to be some sense of a human being that's mm-hmm. actually seeing what is happening on the field and making decisions. And that's why I think Met fans were so happy when they got Buck Showalter. All right, we'll take a quick break. A little bit of basketball on the other side. And then G joins us at 6 right now on Odyssey Sports Minute. It is JR. Uh, oh, on the Golden State Warriors sucking basketballs last night, as Eddie somewhat wrote. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. All right, we got a couple more minutes. We get you to the top of the hour. G joins us as he is in studio in a few. Um, just quick on the basketball. We mentioned the Grizzlies winning last night, which is not only winning, just burying the Warriors. Also, the Celtics wasting that lead. Oh, well. Um, and then the Kyrie net stuff yes. is very intriguing. We'll hear from Sean Marks on the program this morning. The real Sean Marks? The real, well, probably both. Probably I would both. imagine. I always like, anytime Sean Marks speaks, I want to tee up G. Now, what it. angle are you taking? Are you taking the Sean Marks Kyrie future angle, or are you taking the Kyrie Twitch angle? Uh, I think we'll get to both, but as far as Sean Marks is concerned, it had nothing to do with Twitch. The Twitch, I think the Twitch thing was coincidental. I don't know that there's a connection, but because we're talking Kyrie, maybe we'll bring that up. 
because Kyrie maybe has we'll some bring it up. Interesting. You have to bring it up. Well, I only just moments ago can I wasn't sure if it was legit or new. I thought maybe it was one of these old things that surfaced yesterday, but it was written about, so clearly it was a new thing from this week, and he had some interesting. Things Are you a to gamer? Say. No. Not at all. Um, I used to be only sports games, but I don't get involved with online. So you don't do these things where you're talking to other no, people. No, I've never be... done, never done it. Because no. my question would be, did he know he was being recorded? I think he was live streaming himself. It was. I think he put himself out there on Twitch. Okay, so it was him doing it as opposed to someone else's Twitch account that ended up playing against Kyrie Irving. What I read was he was, you know, broadcasting or streaming himself. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but if you're on there and you're connected, you have to know that someone might, you know, record it. He had some pointed comments. Yes, he certainly did. Which we will get to (laughs) in a little while. I'm going to have to cut those up and bleep quite a few things. Last one, and then you get to get out of here and go get your makeup done. Yeah. Uh, NFL schedule tonight. Finally. Is this like, to me, I actually get more, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm more into this than I am the draft. I could see that. The draft to me is a waste of time. Yeah, and we who the hell knows how the, the draft's going to turn out. Absolutely. The, the schedule, schedule key. though, that to me tells me the football, and I hate to say this because summer hasn't started yet, but it means football's around the corner. It's always around camps the corner. Camps <laughs> are going to start, not summer training camp, but all these mini, mini camps, camps are going to start. Yeah, yeah. And then you start to get the real football news. And especially- WFAN and WFAN-FM and HD1, New York. An Odyssey station.